Hello, hello, and welcome to the Overpowering Emotions podcast, where I talk about everything anxiety and other big feels. Last week, I talked about the effects of screen. I had just brushed the surface. There's so much that I could go into, but I think you got the message that screen time definitely affects anxiety. It affects our mental well-being and definitely our kiddos' mental well-being. Um, and something I think we all knew. But like I said, last time at the end of my last episode, I get so many yeah buts whenever I do my workshops on screens, right? So much pushback from parents and even teachers and, and professionals alike, especially um, teachers and professionals who are parents, right? Because they're, they're, they're understanding that. And it's hard. I get that. So we got to choose our heart. But I thought today I'd go over um, some of the things that we can do, but truly it's a really hard discussion. It's one that, you know, I can't just cover in one podcast, but hopefully I'm getting your wheels turning. And I'm sure that this is going to be a discussion. If I have lots of questions, especially feel free to email me questions that you've got and I can go through um, because I, it is such a deep, hot topic. I'm fortunate in my own family because I have already set such firm boundaries around screens right from the start. I, I didn't even know about screens back then when my daughter was first born, um, not to the extent that I do now. Um, but I really am grateful that I followed my gut on this one. But I was also the mom who was like, she can't have a soother. She's got to learn how to soothe herself. So, you know, I, I maybe I'm that kind of mom. My brother always calls me a hippie, but it's, I'm really glad because it's easy now. It's easy for me to have that conversation. We just, the girls just know what the rules are. So I do have a high school daughter who doesn't have social media. She has a phone, but the minute it get, she gets home, she's putting it on the counter. That's where it gets charged all of our phones get charged there. She only uses it to call, to text, or for, for um, pictures. There's no social apps or anything. She doesn't have any social media accounts. So it is possible, right? It is possible. It's really easy to get sucked into thinking that we need to give our kids access. And I remember the first time my eldest went to preschool when she was three, there was a computer there and all the kids, they immediately went running. And, and they went running to it and they were trying to grab at the mouse and they were using the mouse and they were navigating the computer. And she walked by like, what's going on? Like, what is that? She knew it was a computer because I, you know, had to work, but she herself had never had an experience on a computer. And then she went to play on her own in the dress up area because all the kids were around the computer. And I remember leaving crying, thinking, what have I done? She has no idea how to use a computer. And all those kids were navigating programs already, like at four years old. But it only lasted for about a second and I stuck to my guns and I'm so grateful that I did. I'm like, no, actually, I'm, I'm very happy that she was able to go and do the dress up and the imaginary play stuff. Right. I'm so glad that I did, because now, like I said, in high school, zero social media, she has no interest in it at all. There was a time in grade five where, you know, people were getting more like they all had phones. She didn't, they were getting social media. And I remember once the girls were like, do you have, I don't know, like a Snapchat account or a Facebook account? She's like, no. And they were like, well, why? And she's like, cause it's a waste of time. And they said, well, you're a waste of time. So girls are mean. And I can see that there is a lot of pressure, but she was fine. She's like, you know what, if you're going to be my friend, like you know, you're not going to be a real friend, right? If she's just always that kind of girl, but she spends her time reading even now spring break reading. She's happy creating. Yeah. She wants to go see her friends, but she's also happy doing other things. She can fill her time. She's doing lots of sports as well. She's active and, and, and hanging out with us. She literally still will run to the door to see me when I get home, right? Most teens 
they'll avoid their parents, right? They'll spend all their time in their room, on their phones or, or out. And I certainly was one of those kids who was out because there was always things to do, but she still loves, even when I get home, coming and giving me a hug when we debrief our day. Before I jump into things though, I just wanna go through the recommended guidelines for screens. Um, so, you know, with screens, there's a general consensus from agencies. So like the uh, Canadian Pediatric Society, Public Health Agency of Canada, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they all state zero screens for any kids under two years old, zip, none, no screen. They are the most susceptible to the adverse effects of screen time and brain development. Any exposure to screens before the age of two, it affects their behaviors even as an infant. And yet the majority of babies from six months onwards use a touch screen every single day. And there's baby things out where you can see them, you know, on the potty, there's a little iPad or even one of those baby seats, there's an iPad that they can look at it's awful. It's awful. Uh, so zero under two, once they hit elementary, they should get no more than an hour a day. And that's even a lot. And that's total media screen time. That includes everything, even what they do, they do at school. And ideally no more than two hours a day, two hours a day is what we see leading to addiction, which I had talked about last time. Um, no more than four for high school students, ideally no more than two for anybody, but we know in high school they're on the computers a lot more, but definitely not more than four. Again, that includes their schoolwork. Unfortunately, even before COVID hit, you know, more than 90% of um, parents ignored those guidelines. So most of our kiddos around the world, even before COVID, weren't getting fitting their screen time within that time. The reality is that some infants and toddlers who shouldn't have any access at all are getting eight or more hours a day. I literally feel sick to my stomach when I hear these stats. On average, school-age kids are spending about 10 hours a day using media. It's a major concern because so many kiddos, they have access to a bedroom television, to a bedroom computer or video games or a cell phone. And this is what we call techno cocoon, where they're surrounded by screens, even in their room. And that's a problem because all of the effects of screens are worsened when kids have access to them anytime in their room. Huge, huge problem. So it's bad enough already, but if it's in the room, it's just worsened. So why are kids using screens too much? Well, some parents have bought into the idea that screens can be educational and there's a huge push towards that, right? But unfortunately it's not true. There's very limited conditions in which kids can actually learn anything from TV. But the big reason that I see it, you know, um, some will say it's educational, but even things like Sesame Street, you know, there is the, the great example that I learn is Grover, where he runs right up to the screen near and then he runs far away, far, near, far. Kids can't learn that way. It's not that educational. One of the biggest reasons, though, that I see it is to avoid fighting. They, they just want to keep the peace in the house, right? Or I need to entertain my kids while I go and make dinner or whatever else I need to do. Or they worry that their kids are going to be socially isolated, which has definitely become a major concern since COVID with the social isolation. It's just not true. The truth is, like I said before, kids don't go online to connect. They go online to follow others or even to bully others. So what do we do, right? It's such a tricky topic because I think most of us see the effects that they're having on our kiddos, but are 
environments that are dominated by screens. We have screen access anytime, anywhere, and they seem to have become essential for life, right? For us, for our work, for the things that we're doing, and they're being used from everything, from school to work, to play, to wellness. We see that the prevalence of excessive screen time is at a high globally around the world. Even before COVID hit, the stat was that by the time they were 70, most of us would have watched over 10 years just watching television. 10 years of your life just watching television. Think of how much more time you're on the screen at work, everything else that you're doing. Most time is spent on social networking. And that's where, you know, where we're looking at the research, it's mostly on social networking sites specifically. So most of our teens, you know, they use sites like Instagram every single day or Snapchat every single day. So we know screens are essential and we know abs abstinence is near impossible. You know, if we're going to live life the way it is today, that's near impossible, right? I remember one day, one of my friends was lamenting how she restricts access to to her kids for screens, but then she knows her kids are just going to school and they're getting access at school because their friends have their own phones. So they're going to go see it anywhere. It's everywhere, right? Actually, like the analogy of hot dogs, you know, there was a time a hot dog would never, ever come anywhere near my house ever, ever, ever. Right. But I knew that they would get hot dogs at friends' houses if they went to a birthday party or something like that. And that was okay. In my home, I wanted to establish very healthy um, eating habits. I modeled them. We established them. We had guidelines, right? That was my hope that my children would one day see the value in those habits. And I took the same approach with screens as well. I can't control what's out there, but I'm going to establish really healthy habits here that they see for works for them. And that's really, you know, what we've done. And so, yes, my girls have access at other places, but they are like, okay, I'm done now. Can we go do something else? Right. They're not caught into it. I'm going to say, you know, options are quite limited and piecemealy. Um, unfortunately, when we look at what do we do, there are certain places. Korea actually has incredible initiatives in place to prevent excessive screen time, um, likely because they were the top screen um, addictors. So they, you know, had the most people who are addicted to screen, um, but they have even developed school-based initiatives and, and schools can be such powerful, wonderful places for us to have screen-based initiatives and treatment programs that are helping pave the way. And so sometimes it can be really tricky in our own homes. We need to kind of make a societal change on a bigger level. So if you're an educator, look at how you can maybe implement some of these in your own school. But as with anything, we do want to be proactive. We don't want to just be reactive, right? So we want to do it sooner than later because it gets so much harder as they get older. And I always say it's going to cost you more, whatever it is. And in this case, it's, you know, weaning off screens. It's always going to cost you more tomorrow than it is today. So yeah, short-term pain for long-term gain, right? So we as adults are teaching and we're modeling appropriate use of technology. So whatever guidelines we're putting in place for our kiddos, we have to follow them as well. Any limitations I have set in my own home, I follow those rules. No one takes a phone to their room. No one takes a screen to their room. We have no screens in any of our rooms. One screen in the basement where nobody wants to go especially by themselves, right? As soon as we get home, we take our phone, we put it on the kitchen counter. That's our charging station. That's where we come and check it on it. You know, um, if we have any texts or for messages or, or anything like that. But for me, once I put it there, I don't touch it again until the next day unless I need to make a call. But we have a landline still, so I don't even need to. 
So we want to make sure we're supporting our kids. Essentially, we're doing a harm reduction model, right? We're educating them early. We're educating them continuously. My girls have heard me speak to thousands of people on screen. So they hear these messages all the time, right? If they're using screens, we want them to use that time adaptively. First and foremost, we really need to spend our time building a love and aptitude for other activities. That's a huge crutch. A lot of our kiddos just don't know how to do other things, or it's all so boring. So we wanna make sure we are building their repertoire of different activities. Reading, they have to read at least 20 to 30 minutes a day. It's critical because they're exposed. If they follow that 20 to 30 minute rule guideline, they're exposed to over 2 million words a year. But if they're only reading you know, a fraction of that, even only half, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, it's like 200,000 words. It's, it's, it's fractional, right? They're just not getting that exposure. So we're seeing reading affected. If you're an educator, hear this. Like I said, school's the number one place for screen time intervention, which is why we really need to follow Korea's lead and get some school-based initiatives going. If you're a mental health professional, maybe you can help lead the way. I can't get into everything we need to do, in, like I said, in this one little episode, but being proactive is number one. That's going to be most important. We have to also focus on skill development, right? Um, so what are some skills that kids are lacking? Mm, learning how to read social cues, mm, initiating at interactions in positive ways, right? Uh, being able to have hard conversations, conflict management types of things, even just life skills like goal setting and decision making. They also need to learn to fill their time appropriately. That's a huge problem. They don't know how to fill their time. And I see it even with adults I work with, they get bored and they grab their phone. They're waiting in line, they grab their phone. They have to wait for a doctor's appointment, they grab their phone. We need to engage them in lots of different activities and exercise and mindfulness. Literacy is so important. That's why I'm kind of hampering on the reading piece. If you've got a kiddo who doesn't like to read, that's a problem. You really need to spend more time and energy in building those skills because we see success later on is highly connected to deep reading abilities, especially in our digital world. It's becoming a huge problem and relationships as well. And I'll talk about that. But they also need to build relationships where they see people face-to-face, -face. they engage in activities face-to-face, -face. they have hard conversations face-to-face. -face. When they can do that, that's a major protective factor from depression, it boosts their, their physical health, their self-esteem, their academic success, life success. It's so important to have those face-to-face -face interactions. When it comes to screens themselves, they need to learn how to use screens adaptively, like I've talked about. Passive scrolling, that's not good. That's directly connected to anxiety, depression, poor self-esteem, everything that we're talking about, um, body ailments, pain, social isolation. Everything I talked about last week is worse if they're just scrolling through. And if they're going to use screen time, it's got to be purposeful. And when I talk about purposeful, you know, it, there's a couple of things that we can think about. First of all, is it appropriate? So, for example, if you're plunking your kiddo down in front of the TV to watch Sesame Street, thinking that it's going to help them to learn, you're wrong. They need to experience the world to make sense of that world. So, like I said, watching Grover run near and far away, it does nothing to teach them about near and far. It's not appropriate. They need to learn for themselves, but maybe they can create their own videos to show what they've learned. I sometimes borrow iPads from my office. I've got them for assessments, but sometimes I'll bring them home so my kids can make movies and news broadcasts about things that they've learned. Maybe kiddos are doing their own Grover Near Far video. But as they get older, they can be doing movies. And, and, and like I said, news. my girls love doing news broadcasts. The second point, too, so we know it's purposeful. 
or appropriate, sorry. We're looking at purposeful. First, is it appropriate? The second, is it meaningful? So using technology to create, like my girls doing their news broadcasts or movies, that's meaningful. Meaningful interactions is most important. If they're passively watching TV on their own, if they're focusing on gaming, if they're scrolling, passively watching TV, nothing meaningful is happening. In my house, we do use screens and technology to Zoom, you know, to have um, connection with family members who don't live here. And during the school closures, my kids would meet with their grandmas online every day. So one was doing math things like figuring out taxes and um, another grandma would do crafty stuff with them. With cousins, they would get on, they would play Battleship if they each had Battleship you know, or other board games where they each had, you know, the physical game in front of them. Um, it's not about gaming with buddies online, right? We're still trying to have as close of a physical face-to-face -face interaction as we can. So appropriate, meaningful. The third is empowering. My, my youngest, she loves doing her genius hour where she gets to hop online. She loves to do some research. She loves looking at the information and putting together presentations. And, and as she builds her presentation, she's got the opportunity to teach her class. And it's so empowering because she's embracing her learning. And she loved one of her last ones was Hitler. She loved learning about Hitler. And he was this homeless artist who got, you know, flunked out of, never got accepted into his art school and kind of the path he took and the progression he took. And, and now my girls are like, we want to go to Berlin and we want to look like, did you make that see that he invented his own airport or whatever else, right? They're, they, they're just so taking up that learning. They want to learn and use that knowledge. And now they, they can teach others. And did you know, right? That's our job is to instill a love for learning. And, and so if we can use technology in a way to promote that, then that's fantastic. That's being purposeful. It's meaningful. It's empowering. Beyond being purposeful, we also need to make sure we've got those firm boundaries around screens. Every single family member is affected by and contributes to excessive screen time. It's not just on the kids. It's every single family member. Technology takes over, even for parents. We're always connected to work with our phones or our computers. And so we really have to establish firm boundaries and also follow them as ourselves. That's so important. So we have to be positive role models. We can't tell them to turn off their phone, but then us being on our phone all night, right? So we're being those positive role models. We're minimizing screen time use, especially when we're with our kids. We have to prioritize our own family interactions. And yes, I will work through the night, but when my kids are awake on, or on the weekends, my computer is shut as much as I can, unless it's a work day or, or I had you know, meetings, but it's just for a meeting. I'm not gonna sit there and work. The minute they wake up, I'm shutting it down. So we really have to take a unilateral approach especially with, you know, in parenting, we have to take unilateral approaches. And this is definitely an area where we need to take a unilateral approach. I'm usually collaborative. I'm usually on kids' sides for most things. But when it comes to screens, 100%, I'm not on their side. They're like, oh, man, mom, dad, don't talk to screen about screens to Caroline because they know I'm not going to take their sides. Kids can self-regulate. It's contributing to anxiety. It's contributing to aggression and anger. Anything that, you know, that they're having problems with, a lot of it is often related to screens. I doubt most, like I said, even adults can self-regulate when it comes to screens because they were made to be addicting. Our brain is built on a reward system and they tapped into that to make it so rewarding. We just can't get off screens, right? And, and, and the people who invented, you know, so things like social media, they're using our brain against us. So it's really important to talk to our kids and create plans with them. Find out why and how they're using screens. 
maybe help them find alternative activities. It's not just reducing time. It's not just taking them away. We need to also help them fill that time with other activities. So yes, it is a lot more work. Yes, it's hard, but you got to think about choose your heart, right? It's going to be easier tomorrow if you're helping them today, right? It's going to cost you more tomorrow if you're not helping them today. So when you make a plan, there's four things that you need to think about. First is minimizing screen time use. So follow those recommendations. No more than two hours a day for high school students. <laughs> Only one hour of high quality supervised program for, for, for our elementary kiddos. And supervised, that means like in my house, there is co-watching. No one person is ever allowed to go watch something by themselves. You need to have somebody else watching with you. There's this, this loss of boundaries between the parent and child role. And, and, and this is one red line that I've really maintained. And, and, and I think it's really important that we do maintain that very clear boundary with, when it comes to screen times. You have to establish and enforce rules, no matter what the fight or the behavior is initially. But if you enforce them, they will learn to follow them and they'll be relieved that you have them. Maybe not consciously, but they will be. I bet, you know, I bet if your kiddo was using coke, like cocaine, you would be putting your foot down, right? You would be setting firm boundaries and being very strict. This is no different. It's affecting the brain the same way. So you wanna have rules like phone-free Fridays, tech-free spaces, no devices in the room or when we're eating, times for them to be turned off, right? Ideally two hours before bedtime, but for sure an hour before because it affects sleep and it affects melatonin, right? Making sure that there's formal screen time limits. Especially, you know, it's helpful to do it collaboratively with your kiddos, but if they're not agreeing to anything, you got to put your foot down. This is that unilateral approach. But again, we have to help them. We have to help them identify other activities as well. And we got to set them up for success because their brains are not wired to be successful on their own and they can't monitor themselves, especially when it comes to screens. There's a lot of screen time controls and apps you can use, but again, you know, work collaboratively collaboratively with your kids, because if they are bought in and, and helping with the plan, they will feel a little bit more empowered. I talk a lot about too privilege and responsibility, especially when I'm talking about different behaviors. If you want the privilege of going on a screen, cool, but it's your responsibility to get off it as easily as, you know, the first time I say it's time to turn it off when it's time, right? And I'll know it's too much responsibility or it's too much time or whatever. If I find that you're having a hard time, so hey, dude, cool. You know, if he's freaking out, you told him to turn off the iPad. Cool, dude, thanks for telling me. That was too long. It wasn't too long. I just want, but they'll go into that. But, but hey, kiddo, thanks for telling me that was too long. Now I'll know for tomorrow that we you can only go on for half an hour. Thanks for telling me, right? So it's not us. You need to get off. Remember what I told you? You should have gotten off because now you've lost it. Now they're not thinking about their choices and their behaviors. We're just the jerks, right? So if we say, hey, kiddo, it's your choice. I'll know that it was perfect amount of responsibility or a perfect amount of privilege when you're able to be responsible by getting off coolly and calmly collectively right yes mom I'll turn it off and come to dinner now in my house like I said we only have one tv in the basement no one can watch it alone I've always had a rule where you have to co-watch always since they were little um, I also have other rules too you don't have to be stringent but I'll just give you examples of what I do so you have to finish important developmental tasks before you can watch tv and it has to be done by seven because I also have the rule that there's no tv shows before bedtime right so we've got enough time 
between screen time and bedtime. So it's not interfering with sleep. So they, they have to read 30 minutes at least. They have to have an hour of physical activity, an hour of outside time. Oftentimes they combine those together. And, and physical activity, it could just be going to the park or you know going for a walk. Oftentimes they'll just walk to the corner store to get some snacks or whatever, but still, you know, it adds up all of that. That's okay, but they are both athletes as well. So they're, they're playing sports. Um, and 30 minutes of creative time. And then of course, if there's any chores that need to be done, cleaning up after dinner, cleaning up dog poo or whatever. So that's the first. Second, so we're minimizing. Look at how you can minimize. The second factor is mitigate, right? So making sure that the content is appropriate. Um, there's ratings there for a reason. So making sure you're following all those rate ratings, you know, if it's PG-13 or mature, restricted, there's a reason why there, there's ratings. Co-viewing is fantastic. Asking questions, connecting, you know, connecting what they're seeing in real life versus what they're seeing on the screen. Have them predict what's going to happen or infer what's just happened. Why do you think she broke up with him? She didn't say why, right? But let's talk about that. That's going to be really helpful, even for reading comprehension. Part of mitigating too is modeling our own limits, right? Whatever we're setting those limits on, we are modeling them. We're, we're modeling good coping skills and getting off and, oh man, I want to watch one more. I remember when I was a kid, I loved watching um, Quantum Leap. Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to see the next episode, right? Because they give a little teaser for the next scene. There was no option. You had to wait a week. You know, there is no time limits anymore. Like kids just get everything on demand whenever they want. And that's a problem. So learning, Kate, Tuesday nights is when we watch our show, right? And we only get one episode per week. And then in the summertime, it's reruns, right? Um, being able to get off a screen, even in the middle of work or in the middle of an email when the time comes, that's going to be really important for them to see you do, right? If it's always just wait, 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 wait. If you're like, oh, I just need to finish one more email. Or, I just got to get through this article. Or, I just need to finish this thing. They're always going to be like, well, I just got to finish this level or whatever it is. Third is the purposefulness. So I've already talked a little bit at always. Um, about that, but remembering, you know, that screen time takes away from other important learning and connecting and developmental opportunities, right? Learning and development, um, th those things are optimized when kids are interacting with their family. When they don't know better, you might not know this, but, but when kids don't know better, they actually do prefer to play, to read, to hang out with their parents. They do want that instead of screens when they don't know better. If you're allowing screens, you want to create a family media plan. Talk about when and where you're going to use media or screens, how, how long, for what purpose. Try to avoid things with ads, which is near impossible these days. You know, even just going on for a recipe, I'll go on my phone quickly and it's like, add, add, add. I just go straight to print recipe. And if I can't print recipe, I don't use that recipe. But really try to make it engaging, right? As much as it annoys my teenager, I do stop and talk about the shows that we watch. Okay, summarize everything that's happened. These are important skills, right? And then of course, modeling. That's the fourth piece that I've already talked about and you're hearing it again, because that's a really important message. Our kids should never have to compete with our screens. As our screen time increases as parents, so too does our kids' behavior. So we got to think about that. Don't have a TV running in the background. Make sure you're following the family rules. Engage your kids. Even if it's parallel activities, we do draw, drawing and reading all the time as a family. We're doing our own thing, but we're around each other doing the same sort of things. Okay. 
So look at, you know, where you can help um, you, if you're a mental health professional, where you can educate and support families for you guys, you know, start looking at how much screen time do your kids get each day? Are you meeting the recommendations? Do your kiddos have devices in their bedroom? Does anyone have a device at mealtime? Is sleep affected? Do you know what your kids are watching? Do you know what they're being exposed to? Snacking during screen time, is that under control? Because we know that our amygdala just gets overrun. And so we aren't listening to our body. And so we'll eat a whole huge bowl of popcorn. Like I'll make a big bowl of popcorn meant for three of us, but I'll just eat away and not even, you know, then my girls go to have some and I've already eaten it. That's what happens. Our brain gets sucked in. We're not mindful at all. Not only the amount of screen times, but how they're being used. Do you know how your kids are using screens? Right. And, and, and even just thinking about being good digital citizens, right? What are they putting out there? There's some really, when I do my screen time workshops, there's, I, I found this one picture of a girl with her dead grandma in the hospital and that's up there for everyone to see. And I know there's been lots of stuff like people who've lost their jobs, right? Because they're posting stuff in their outside life. It trickles down, you know? So how is that going to affect them in the future for careers? right? Um, how are you promoting offline social interactions? Are they seeing friends? Are they doing other things? Or are they just going to a friend's house and just being on the phone? My daughter gets annoyed because she'll just, she'll go hang out with friends, but then they're just all on their phone all afternoon, right? Um, setting up activities. Are you setting up activities to help them figure out who they are, what they like, building their self-confidence? Those are some things to start thinking about and, and, and areas that you can start targeting. It's a lot. I'll leave it there for today. I do have a workshop that I present on. So um, be sure to join me if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter or, or to the podcast for sure subscribe. But I also have a newsletter for any up-to-date workshops that I'm doing. I also do a lot of consultation calls. So reach out if you'd like to hop on a call with me, especially if you're working a mental health professional that you're working with a kiddo or an educator working with students. I'm happy to chat um, and, and to see how can I help you support your kiddos. So goodbye for today. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.